0: And we're back, folks. Welcome back to Resource Real Talk about the Louisville real estate. I am your host, Jay Pitts, broker owner at Remax Premier Properties here in Louisville, back after a short hiatus. But you know, sometimes a guy's got to take a vacation, take his kids to the beach, throw them in the sand, watch the waves, kind of, you know, teach them how to swim. And yes, I've got a little uh, Zach Pitts coaster in my pocket right here. We're going to let that sit and simmer for a moment because, you know, he does things like that. Little brother um, is making a podcast appearance. He's always made it clear to me that he never wanted to be a guest. And in fact, he does not listen at all. So much like my wife, I could say anything about him on this podcast. And um, unless you tell him, you know, he's never going to know. Anyway, uh, let's move on to more important things. Again, thank you for, uh, for joining, uh, joining us again. Paying the bills real quick. Let's um, keep in mind that you can find us pretty much anywhere you podcast, but especially, especially on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you call it, your podcast app on your iOS device, make sure you subscribe that tells the overlords and masters of the algorithms that you like our content and that they should show it to more people. Please give us a five-star review. Four stars are acceptable, but only if you don't like us at all, we'll take a four star from you five stars from everybody else. Uh, you can also find us on Spotify. If you choose I Heart radio, Amazon music, Deezer, Stitcher, Pandora, Google podcasts, anywhere, literally, I think, that you can podcast from. We can be found. Just Google my name if you can't find resource. Sometimes it's weird with the parentheses around the RE. Um, doesn't, doesn't exactly. Wasn't, wasn't really thinking the day I came up with the title of for this show about you know search queries. So needless to say, you can also find us on the socials. We would appreciate your interest and support there. Uh, find us on our Facebook page, The Resource Podcast. That's facebook.com slash the resource podcast podcast you can find this in our private Facebook group which we are in fact live at um, to much to uh, to our chagrin Facebook likes to change their stream key it that's a whole lot of uh, nonsense that's for Seth to figure out for me to just sit here quietly while he does it but we are live. Um, it is Wednesday and we are live in the Facebook group. You can find us there. It is a private group. However, it is searchable and you can ask for access. You can also just text me or find me anywhere else you can find me and I'll get you added in on the conversation. Provided that you are a realtor and you are in central Kentucky, we we would love to have you in on the conversation. Lots of great information shared there. Don't forget about the other socials uh, at Jay Pitts Realtor on Instagram and Twitter, J underscore Pitts on TikTok. And then you can find full episodes of the show on YouTube at youtube.com slash JPitts Realtor. Um, I think that's pretty much it. But just as a reminder, we'll be videoing. Uh, for for near immediate release, JTP University, which is a sister piece of content in the Resource brand, where we get into in five minutes or six minutes, maybe or less, uh, a very you know practical application within the real estate space that you can put to use in your business every day. All right, now that that's out of the way, thank you, thank you, and here's today's topic. Um, and this is, you know, like many topics that we discuss, born out of conversations I have every day with agents. Sorry, Zach. We got to get rid of you now. It's getting on my nerves. The uh, peripheral vision, I kept seeing seeing that mug. I'm going to show the camera, guys. This would be distracting to you, I'm sure, as well. Um, show the other camera right there on the live stream. Um, Yeah, that mug would distract you too. i got to turn him face down, unfortunately. You know, he could be like my son, um, the one that sits on Seth's desk and put, like, you know, handlebar mustache on him with an ink pen, but I haven't done that yet. All right, so today's topic comes from conversations that I have regularly with agents. Now, it may be a topic that we touch on here in the future, but I think the jury's still out. Um, I, I won't give you a cliffhanger, but I'm getting asked a lot if we're in the midst of a bubble, a real estate bubble. And is that going to bust? Well, quick answer is no. Okay. I don't think we are now to be able to support that empirically with data and all sorts of things and not just give you kind of a gut check reaction. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to kick the can down the road a little bit, but that begs a question. What can you attribute? What can you attribute the the day to day or week to week or month by month, but frequent changes that we feel see, and it, you know can almost like it's palpable that we see in this industry. Right? It's like almost agents that are well intentioned, well meaning, and thoughtful can feel the ground shifting under their feet. Now you could tri- attribute that a lot. We were, we live in a tumultuous world. Uh. Our country is torn with political strife of course about as polarized as we've ever been the economy is what it is you know you have all these emerging trends we talked a lot about you know cryptocurrency and interest rates and inflation and you know a lot of this stuff it's not 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 topics that we shy away from here on resource but you know I don't want to get too heavy when discussing these things. I think today I'd like to focus with you on the concept of seasonality in real estate. And I think that basically an understanding of today's, this age's seasonality, that concept, as compared to what may have been traditional seasonality, may provide you some insight. And then you can understand some of the market forces individually and how they impact. But basically, what you're doing is you're taking this big, broad conversation and you're narrowing your scope down to where you can follow the trends that move the market. You can watch and listen to the media, which media surrounding business is not quite as volatile as political media or sports media or just, you know, celebrity media, pop culture media. There's not as much, like, scare tactics used. You can read between the lines even when there are, okay? But once you narrow that focus by understanding seasonality, understanding how the market moves based on consumer sentiment and and practices, typical practices of everyday practitioners, once you understand those concepts... I think it'll give you a better understanding and you're then not operating. This is the biggest mistake and and probably a huge takeaway and the most simple takeaway you as a successful real estate agent can take from this episode, okay? Never, okay, fall victim and you will. I say never, but you will. Everyone is human here. Everyone is going to um, fall victim to our most imperfect impulses, but do your best, To not fall victim to attributing your circumstances, your really small base of clients, and even if it's huge, compared to the marketplace, your percentage of the market is really small. Okay? The 20 clients that you're working with actively, because you're a really busy agent, represent a very small percentage of the buyers and sellers in the marketplace right now. You as a real estate agent in Louisville, Kentucky, are one of 5,000. Okay, cut it in half because half are not full-time or not really agents. Okay, I buy that, but you're still one of 2,500. You're a small, small percentage. Don't fall victim to attributing your circumstances and looking at the movements of the market with emotion as the primary driver, whether it's good or bad, in trying to discern what the market is doing. Don't do that. At least talk to 10 other agents, preferably ones that have a larger share of the market than you do. Understand that their reactions are probably going to be somewhat emotional, but try to read between the lines there. That's how you assess a market. And then... Step away from it and understand that there is value in that intuition, but then look at the data. And I don't think really the camera is going to get on this and I don't really need it to, but this spreadsheet I've got up on my screen right now, okay, is a stupid amount of data, okay? I have a line graph with multiple years, multiple metrics, multiple inputs that I track on a weekly basis, guys. Numbers do not lie people's interpretation of them do, especially when they're based in emotion, okay? But understand the intuition of ages, talk to multiple, don't fly by the seat of your pants looking at only your opinion, and then ask the opinion of others, take it with a grain of salt, understand the intuition is valuable, but then look at the numbers, hard numbers. All right, let's get get into seasonality before I digress too much. So I'm gonna give you a bit of a then and now look at seasonality. And unfortunately then, and I, I can't give you I I can't give you a when this stopped being the case. Um, you know, it's certainly the real estate markets that I grew up around, you know, watching my family. Some of you know, my father and uncle are great mentors of mine. Um, and, and I get a lot of the things I say, and a lot of the things I've learned have been adapted from things that they've said, done, learned, and professed to me. But their real estate market that I observed was certainly like this. And so basically, I want you to start at the beginning of the year and let's talk about the then. January. Okay. January was dead. So it was December, but we'll come to that on the back side. Virtually all of winter was dead. People didn't move in the winter time. Unless they absolutely had to, sales were a fraction of what they were in the other three seasons in winter. In fact, my father used to say that this could this this could accurately explain seasonality in real estate. This this was the this was the Circa 1990 version of seasonality in real estate. Into Q1, you prospect. Prospect and list. Q2, you sell. Q3, you close. Q4, you take vacation. (laughs) That's how simple he would attribute seasonality, but it was based on the fact that you bet you virtually between November and February had no sales. So January, and February were dead. March was listings was listings. If you're a, if you're a good agent, if you're a, a market leading agent, you were crushing the listing side of the business come March. And that spills over into April. Okay. But April begins selling season. Then you're out with buyers. And you're out early, in fact. If you're a market-leading agent, you're out early in April. Okay? Because school's not even out yet. And it's because people expected it to take time. So continuing to list, complicated and, and quite a bit busier, according to the fact that people the early bird buyers were out, the best listings were selling, in, in April. Listings start to taper off come May, and the search process starts to peak toward the end of May. Spills over into June, and that's when you're, when you're negotiating the majority of your contracts. You're going pending, okay, into June. Got the tail end of the early birds starting to close come June, but uh, but you're you're probably the busiest you'll be all year in the latter half of June because you got the lagging listings, you got a, a, a full scale search, you got you know quite a few houses going under contract, and your processing's going to the closing table. Uh, that's your busiest month of the year, and then you clean up all the mess in July so that you can get everybody closed before school starts because nobody wants to move in in August. In fact, August is dead. You might as well take the month off. And a lot of times you do because it's a good month to take vacation, okay? If you're an investor, you're starting to think about investing. If you're a builder, you're starting to build because that timetable pushes you out into the early spring, you know, months of the following year for completion, but August is just dead. Then August ends, schools settled, September hits, football season. It's fun. The weather's still pretty decent. You got a few laggards, right? That, that weren't able to buy. You got the listings that have been picked over that have been price reduced, Finally, hopefully, after sitting with no activity, maybe no showings for the entire month of August, are finally priced where they need to be, and the laggard buyer makes a low offer on the overpriced uh, listing, or the the listing that started overpriced, and now you get it under contract and you got to get that puppy closed before Thanksgiving. And that's what October looks like. And you got a little bit of November to do some business, but people are pretty much closing up shop because they're having family over. They're doing their thing. And November is virtually toast. Rolls over into December where people don't even want to talk to you, don't even want to see you. They're traveling to see family. They're hosting family. They're putting up their Christmas lights. People don't want to, their houses are a wreck. They don't want anybody in them. If you've got a listing come December, something bad happened. And then you roll back into January, and it's dead again for another month and a half to two months before listing season starts again. So that's then. Pretty simple, right? Pretty simple. Substantially more complex now. There's a couple of factors. Why is it different? Why is it more complex? Well, number one, you got an inventory shortage. You got stronger demand, okay? Okay. So buyers want to buy, but there isn't anything to purchase. So there is incentive for people to compete or enter the market at different times based on the competition because it's more or less advantageous to do so. If you list your house and everybody lists their house in May, there's a lot of competition for the listing if you stagger it out through the rest of the year, you might be the only house available that meets the certain criteria where there are a lot of buyers in the marketplace. You may get an extra 5, even 10% for your home by strategizing price. So, that's one thing. Another thing that you could probably look at is instant gratification. People don't expect... It to take that long these days. In fact, if you're a listing agent and your listing sits for more than 30 days, not only do the buyers think there's something wrong with the house, but your, your, your seller thinks that you're, you know, inept, that you're not going to be able to make it happen. So that trickles down. But also that instant gratification means that people that decide to move come August are not going to wait until the following March or April to list their homes. Some of them, at least. Market volatility is another reason. Changes in price, the feeling, the emotion that we told you earlier not to pay attention to is ever present in the consumer probably more so with respect to real estate. When they feel a change, they always, you always say that pain is the greatest motivating factor when they feel a pinch like some did from COVID. Or there's a divorce, unfortunately, an unintended life change. When they feel that pinch... The emotion from market volatility drives them to act, and it doesn't matter what they think or what you think about seasonality or what convention has been. Also, very probably small percentage, but finance processing happens so much faster than it used to. Was no thing 30 years ago to take 90 days to cr- close a mortgage loan. Most. You're a bum if you're a loan officer and can't get a deal done in 30 days these days. Now that's it. That that you know I'll accept the uh, FHA, VA, or KHC variety, RHS. Some of the you know government bonded, double underwritten programs. Like okay, I'm sorry, I don't mean to call you a bum, but conventional, 20 percent down, you can't get it in 30 days. You're a bum. The company's a bum. So all these are reasons why seasonality has become more complex. So let's talk about that more specifically. I'm going to go month by month like I did before. Let's talk January. If you don't know that January is listing season right now, you're too late. You are too late, and you're too late because listing season started last September. Some people, some people do still think seasonally with it, with respect to listing. It's just differently perpetrated. We're going to talk about that a little more. But if you don't realize that January, you are midstream of listing season, you're too late. You should you should near know. I almost said damn near. You should damn near know. I forgot this is a podcast. We're not on the radio. Um you should know almost every listing you're going to take throughout the course of a year and a projected timeline for that listing to hit the market in January. You should be able to whiteboard it out of listings to market. Because you've been prospecting those listings or nurturing those leads, those opportunities, those conversations with sphere of influence, those Conversations you had at a barbecue or a tailgate party last fall. Um, those questions about do you know a plumber and referring one because they need to fix this or that because they're getting their house on the market. That's that should almost be able to be diagrammed. All right, let's go back to let's go back to February. Or well, before we move on to February, let's just say the early bird buyer is out in January. I mean, and I mean snow on the ground. Ice storm looming, looking at whatever there is available to look at come, the, come this, like 9 a.m. on January 2nd. And this is not 2021 talk necessarily. This is 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21. The buyers are out early, which is why the listings are out early. Anymore, it's just as important for the buyer to beat the competition to the market as it is for the seller. Because it could it could make a five to ten percent difference in price by getting there and securing a property under contract before five other buyers decide to show up with offers or 10 or 15 or in 2020 concerns. More than that, perhaps. So Buyers are in full swing by January. If you don't understand that, you're too late. February is one of the best months of the year for us for pending transactions. We get people under contract in February, I mean, at an alarming rate. Because a great percentage of those people that decided to get out early have, have, have beat the competition to the punch. March, more pendings, more listings, more pendings, more listings. April, more of the same. Breakneck pace by April. Like starting to peak in terms of actual activity. When April hits, you have your a good percentage of your listings going to market. You have a good percentage of your buyers going under contract, missing on multiple offers. Some of this is 2021 problems. Some of it is more than just 2021. April, you're almost reaching a peak in terms of activity. Now, when it comes to your, your bottom line, your paycheck, okay, May might be the peak. May June And without running the risk of belaboring the point we can we can go ahead and basically say that April April's conditions are somewhat attributable to May and we'll move on to June which is where desperation might start to set in on both sides If you happen to be one of the unfortunate listings that's been on the market that hasn't received an accepted offer and you're on the market more than two weeks come June, there's a problem. Buyers are reaching fatigue if they haven't been successful and those that haven't entered the market yet are starting to think that it might be too late to do it this year. That's a possibility. But. Real estate agents are still busy closing those transactions they put to put on the books in April and May. So it's a good month. Fourth of July hits, and that panic is real. That pace uh, picks up maybe slightly from June, and you're staring at trying to still, like before, some things never change. Clean up the messes before school starts again. Now, obviously, 2020 was very different. It appears like a lot of children are going to be going back to school in person come fall of 2021. So I expect a, slight, a slightly, more, uh, slightly more pronounced slowdown come August of this year. Generally speaking, after the breakneck pace of the summer, it's a welcomed respite for a lot of agents. Okay? So, you take your time off. You relax. You go to Florida and you lay on the beach for a week. You, you know, take a breath, right? Have a few cookouts with friends or family. But get ready because your second listing season is about to hit come September. Those that didn't uh, have success and pulled their house off the market or coming back because they need to sell and they need it done fast because it's got to be done by Thanksgiving. September is list, 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 and start to prospect for next spring. High, fun fact, highest internet traffic for real estate sales according to ZillowTruliaRealtor.com is the month of September. People have passed on this year and decided that next year is the year and that's when they start. Then it kind of lulls and picks back up in December. But there's a decent chance that you're going to pick up next year business, 2022 business in September of 21. So prospecting season has begun. We didn't even have a prospecting season in the in the then version of seasonality, but it's prospecting season. You got one more thing to do. All of you direct response marketing you know, conversion types, you know, your people that are working on your objection handlers, now is the time to put them to use come September of the year. October, price reductions and pending contracts. Get those listings under contract because we got to close them by the first couple of weeks of, Jan- of November. November, close up shop the way you did come July because Thanksgiving weekend is going to hit and you're not going to hear from anybody until January 2nd. December's dead. Now, one caveat. These times of the year where it is, it, is, it is really slow are really good times for investing, especially if you're a buyer or you're representing, envir- you're representing buyers that are looking to invest. Desperate sellers come August that miss the June and July push sometimes will take low offers. Same thing come November and December, especially so in the wintertime because they're facing expensive energy bills to keep the property heated Checking on a vacant house, insurance costs going up, potential freeze and bust of of pipes. So don't forget that. Also, you have the tax benefit associated with buying a house before the end of the fiscal year, which for most people is the same as the calendar year. So I promised you at the beginning of this that I would illustrate just how much more complicated and complex today's seasonality is is. And maybe that was a misstatement because there are micro trends based on what's happening in the marketplace. And I'm not saying that August this year might not happen in July. It is quite possible. We certainly had the activity uh, sufficient to, to produce a very slow July if demand were to wane. Don't see it happening, frankly, but it is possible. It has happened before. A few years ago, I think it was 2019, we had a very slow July and a very robust August. Not sure why. Micro trends, they can happen. It's why you got to track the numbers, but also have the intuition. But generally speaking, seasonality is much more complex now because there it could be said that there is no seasonality anymore. For those reasons I cited for you a bit earlier, people want to do business when they want to do business. There are motivating factors. Pain, financial pain, personal pain, unfortunate and unexpected circumstances do drive activity. But it's not as predictable as it used to be, which means... Like I've quoted in numerous markets, numerous sets of conditions, when it gets hard, we work harder for less money. I told you you had prospecting season now, that didn't used to be a thing. Most of it was inbound then, now it's outbound, okay? Not only do you have to, you know, find time to list, sell, negotiate, close, and prospect, but you must find time to follow the market. If not, you're an uninformed agent, which makes your clients uninformed, which makes your clients' results sub, suboptimal, which means that your referrals will be not as plentiful. These are all your responsibilities. Dig in. Learn the market by number and by feeling. Don't let emotion rule you but let it fine tune your empirical data that you follow. See what moves the needle for you. Don't prescribe to seasonality, prescribe to trends. Follow those trends until they change. And as it says in the bumper, always stay ahead of the curve. That's the answer to being successful both today in real estate and in the future. We live in tumultuous times. But staying ahead of the curve is what's going to cement your place in this industry. All right, folks, that's all for today. I appreciate you. As a reminder, you can find us anywhere you podcast, Apple Podcasts specifically, five stars only. Mash that subscribe button, leave us a review. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Also on Spotify, iHeart, Amazon, Deezer, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Podcasts, check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash the resource podcast at J Pitts Realtor on Instagram and Twitter, j underscore Pitts on TikTok. And for full episodes of the podcast of the video variety, youtube.com slash j Pitts Realtor, look out for JTP University and we will be... Oh, well, actually, we've got a treat for you. I'll, I'll give it a little tease. I'm out of town again next week. And unfortunately, uh, it just doesn't work to cart all this equipment around with me where I go. Uh, this is not vacation. It's a bit bit a uh, bit of personal travel, but um, what we've got a, we've got a special treat for you. Mr. Seth, the maestro, is going to queue up an old episode with a familiar guest, I think for most of you. Uh, a gentleman that needs no introduction. I'll leave it right there. wait and see who it is. It will uh, hit iTunes next week uh, on Wednesday, and I'll be back the following week. But do look for another episode of JTP University that'll be hitting here real soon. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I am your host, Jay Pitts, broker owner at REMAX Premier Properties. We'll see you soon.